Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you for blessing them and, Lord, doing great things in their life today. In Jesus' name. Ecclesiastes 8, and I want to read in verse 5. Whoso keeps the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment, therefore the misery of man is great upon him. For he knows not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. All this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. Look at verse 10. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. And they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This also is vanity. We're going to come back to this verse, but I believe that one of the things we see from this is the word opportunity. How many know we say this sometimes that opportunity knocks? All of us have opportunities in life. One of the things we have to learn, though, is not to be led by just by opportunities. Uh, don't be led by opportunities. Don't be led by needs, but be led by the Spirit. It's been said that every person in life, by the time they, um, they die, that they've had a chance to be a millionaire. Is there anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but is there anybody that's, um, you've had a chance and you've looked back and you think, oh, if I would have just done this. And, you know, I think some people, it can be on a, on a small scale or a large scale that, that we have had opportunities come in life. Well, I want to think of this too. God gives opportunities to every believer. Opportunities to grow, opportunities for greatness, opportunities for, for service, opportunities in the realm of utterance to speak to others about the Lord, to be a blessing. Amen. To, to come to the share and care, to, to be a part of, of uh, ushers, to be a part of uh, the music team. As you can see, we need some, we have room up here to grow. Amen. Thank God for my band that was backing me this morning. It was digital, but they were here. And so God gives us um, opportunities in the word. He gives us opportunities to grow. He gives us opportunities through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And one thing about the Lord is you can go as far as you want to. In life today, we should live life today to where we would have no regrets for tomorrow. Live life today as to where you have no regrets tomorrow. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Um, don't do something uh, today that you can do tomorrow. Well, no, don't do something tomorrow that you can do today. If you can do it today, then do it. And so don't, don't live life whether it's for family, friends, or anyone, to where you will regret tomorrow. You know, some people don't maybe fully commit to the Lord because of family or because of friends. 
But Jesus alone is our Lord. And so our, our ultimate thing is, is to serve him fully with all our heart. So I want to preach a message maybe you've never thought about like this, but neglected opportunity brings regret. Neglected opportunity brings regret. We've all experienced regret in our life. We've all experienced things, but it's not so we can look back. It's so we can look forward and that we can make our best days ahead of us. Look here, it says in Ecclesiastes 8 verse 10, And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity. So notice this. It says, I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. The wicked had come from the place of the church, had come from the place of meeting with other believers. Notice it called them wicked. It didn't say they came from, from the bar. They came from a, a, you know, any place that people want to put a label as ill repute. It doesn't say that. It says they came from the place of the holy. So maybe they sat in church at one time. Maybe they heard a good message, but left. And so we have to make our life count for the Lord. And one thing I've discovered in life, and maybe you have too, is people have in life what they want. What do you mean? People make room for what they really like. You know, if they want to, if they like antique cars, they got like 12 or 15 of them, and they, 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 they have that. If people like this certain thing, this hobby, they make room for it. If people really want to uh, be in good physical shape, you know, they go to the gym eight times a week, you know. <laughs> they, they're, they're, you know, they do double cardio. They go twice a day, and, you know, people make room for what they want. If we want more of God in our life, then we'll make room for him. Hallelujah. And so your life, this is not just a good pep talk, but your life goes in the direction of what you think about the most. Your life goes in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Amen. That's not just John Maxwell. That's the word of God. That's not just the New York Times bestseller. That's Joshua 1. What, whatever you think of and you meditate upon, that's the way that your life is going to go. So, we, we don't want to have any regrets in life. We don't want to have anything that's holding us back. Can you say amen? amen? See, even this church here is a place that we prepare people for eternity. What does the Bible say in Hebrews 10, 25? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But even more, than the more we see that day approaching. Well, we see that day approaching, which is the return of Jesus and the end of all things. And so thank God for our good fellowship we're going to have today. But it's not just about potlucks and fellowship, but those things are awesome in their place. And I'm going to enjoy it, especially the black-eyed peas I heard about. <laughs> How many know in, in, in North Dakota, you usually don't see black-eyed peas as much as you do in, in southern Alabama, so... But what, what God's given us is everything is built upon the word about prayer and the move of the spirit. See, a lot of people talk about community, but they have all community and no change. 
You, you can have the community of the dead and you'll be dead. Well, we just like, we just like our community and we just like having our fellowship, but, but they're all dead. Amen, come on now. <clears throat> but you know, a lot of times, now I believe in order. Things should, there should be, the Bible says that let all things be done decently in order, but let them be done though. You know, you can't steer a parked car too well, can you? Get the thing cranked up, and then you can just turn that thing. Unless you don't have power steering, that's a little tougher. But get it, get it moving, and then you can steer it. See, a lot of people think, well, you know, I don't like, I don't like that kind of a church because, you know, they just got too much wildfire and, and just fanaticism. But I like what Donald G., he, um, he was... Uh, a minister uh, over the Assemblies of God, I believe, in Great Britain and um, back last century. And uh, one of the organizers of that group. And he said this. He said, I would rather have a little bit of wildfire and fanaticism and excess and God moving than to have the order of a graveyard and nothing moving. Amen. I'd, you You can steer somebody if they're a little bit... Maybe they're excited and people say, well, you know, they're just in the flesh. Well, you know, when you just sit here like this, that's the flesh too. Amen. And so I'd rather have God moving. And so fellowship gathers around what is common. You know, a lot of times in church people talk about culture. Well, you know, the culture. But the only culture we should have is the New Testament. What's the culture of this church? The Word of God, prayer, laying their hands on the sick, casting out devils. You know, a lot of people think, oh my gosh, you go to that church where they, they speak in tongues. Do you know that every person in the New Testament that wrote a, an epistle, they spoke in tongues? John spoke in tongues. James spoke in tongues. Peter spoke in tongues. Paul definitely spoke in tongues. He said, I, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. I mean, the Corinthians... That's all they want to do when they came together was speak in tongues. They, they you know, they had a, an abundance of tongues in their um, assembly. But Paul said, I speak with tongues more than all of you, yet in the church. So, so obviously he spoke most of his time in tongues outside of the church. And then he said, when you come together, he said, I'd rather just speak 10, 10 words in my own language than, the, you know, 10,000 in an unknown tongue. Because if you just speak in, if I got up here and just spoke in tongues, you would think, well, praise the Lord, you know, he's talking in tongues, but you wouldn't be edified. But if I could give the interpretation, then it would edify you. That's why some people don't pray in tongues much, even though they've been filled. Why? Because you don't understand what you're saying. And so people say, well, why, why should I do it if I don't understand? Because the Bible says that you edify yourself. And as you edify yourself, you're built up. Hallelujah. But I just wanted to share a couple, a couple of different instances in the Bible of people that had regrets. <clears throat> and so I saw the wicked buried who had come from gone from the place of the holy and they were forgotten in the city. So we don't want to have any regrets in life. You know, it's kind of like the person that they went to go get a tattoo and, you know, the person was was drunk and they, you know, they, uh, they were putting the tattoo on there and, and they looked and someone looked and said, what does that tattoo mean? No regrets. Well, 
Shouldn't have any regrets. No regrets. Everyone say no regrets. Neglected opportunity brings regret. The Bible talks about a man by the name of Esau over in Hebrews 12. And I'm not going to take the time to read back in the book of Genesis, but Hebrews chapter 12 says this. And I'm going to read in um, verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail from the grace of God or fail of the grace of God. The margin says fall from the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. There, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that how that afterward... So, so what happened with Esau? Here he was with his brother Jacob. His name is supplanter, deceiver. You know, especially in the Old Testament, names still mean things today, or, you know, it should. But, but especially then, everything was about what this name meant. His name was Deceiver. It's kind of like Abraham, father of many nations. How would you like to say, oh, my, my name is Deceiver? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a trickster. And so here he was, though, and he said, okay, he comes in and he's, you know, he's hungry and he's starving, he's famished. Who's ever been like, you've been hungry, you know, you've been hungry and hungry. And people have been hangry too, but, you know, you just, it's like, man, just give me something. I need something to, some people talk about just being weak. So what are they, give me a spoon of peanut butter. Give me, give me something I can, I can have. And, um, you know, it'll knock that, that hunger off and knock that edge off. Well, here, here. Esau comes in and he says, boy, I'm, I'm starving. You know, give me some of that porridge. You know, give me some of that, that, that soup. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some good soups. But, I mean, to sell your birthright over this? He says, okay, give me your birthright. He says, well, you know, that's not going to mean much. I'm about to die, you know. You know, if I missed one meal, I, I never felt like I was about to die. It's just like in the Old Testament, the Bible says that, me and my son are going to have this meal, we're going to prepare it, and then we're going to eat it and die. Well, as a usual thing, you don't just eat a meal and then you die three hours later. But see, that's what happens when the natural kicks in. And so Esau sells his birthright, everything that he was destined for, he gave it and sold it to his brother. And so it says, it calls him a profane person. Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Look at verse 17. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. So he was, and, and of course his father is there, and his father, you know, he, he, he wants to bless him. And he says, oh, go get me this and, and get me this food and, and dress it. And he, he, um, he realized, and what his brother did is 
His, his brother took this coat, put it on him because the Bible says he was hairy. And so he said that he felt his arms and he said, now this feels like Esau. But the voice sounds like Jacob. And so here he is. He tricks him. And then when, when the same time he comes in with the food, then the father has done this and there's nothing he can do about it. Isaac. And so notice he says here, when he afterward would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. So what happened? He came to a place to where he couldn't change it. He couldn't even change what had happened. And so this is something for us to understand that, that we don't want to have any regrets. We don't want to step past a place to where we miss out on the blessing of heaven. <clears throat> and so another person in the Bible, Samson. Samson, think about Samson. He was, a, he was the deliverer. Someone who was mighty used of the Lord. But Samson, as you know, he had many Delilahs. I mean, he had, uh, that was one of the things. He, he liked those Philistine uh, women. How I many know what I'm talking about when you read the, the Bible? It, it says that, that he had this one. And anyway, he has this one um, um, lady that he's involved with named Delilah. And what she does is, Hey, you know, of course, you should see the handwriting on the wall when they say this happens once, it happens again and again. She was trying to find out the strength that was behind him. And he says, you know, hey, if you bind me with this, then that's what it is. Then he just breaks it apart. But, you know, Samson, it wasn't because he was some big dude. I mean, nothing in the Bible says that he was some Charles Atlas or something that that he was really muscular, but he had the anointing. I Man, I don't care how much you lift weights, you're not going to do what he did and pick up the gates of the city and walk uphill with it. I think if I saw that, I would take off running the other way. That's when you just go ahead and surrender and you wave the white flag right then. But as we know, Samson tells what happened, you know, this is the source of my strength, and she knows, okay, that's it. They come in, they cut his hair. He was a Nazarite vow that he couldn't cut his hair. And so they come in, they, they, they bind him, and, and basically they pluck his eyes out. And then, can you imagine, though, that, that here he is, this great man of God, and now he's, he's walking around like an animal, grinding and, and, and moving this thing. But I want you to know, the Bible says his hair began to grow back. So even if you shave your head, I've never shaved my head, but it grows back. <laughs> Some people say, I don't want to shave my head because if it doesn't grow back. But the Bible says that Samson's hair began to grow back. So what did that mean? That anointing was coming back. And so if you're in this place today and you think, oh, I've had this happen, I've had this happen, your hair is going to grow back. The hair is going to grow back today. Hallelujah. And so at the end of his life, though, he cries out and he says, Lord, remember me and, and Lord, avenge me. 
And what happened? You had these people there. Um, it was a multi-level place, and you have these people up there, and they're offering to their gods and worshiping gods. And he says to this young man, he says, help me find the pillars of this temple, the place where he was. He grabs a hold of it, and he prays out to God. And there was, it was over 3,000 people, the Bible says. I don't know exactly how many people it was. He grabs a hold of that thing and just shakes it. How many know that's supernatural strength? And the Bible says that he took more in his death when he died. And he said, let me die with the Philistines. And he said, he took more in his death than he did all the other time in his life. But how many know that wasn't God's best? Neglected opportunity brings regret. And then the Bible talks about a man by the name of Judas. What happened? Judas, the Bible says that Judas had part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was part, he was an apostle of the Lamb. Now there's different categories of apostles. We have apostles today. We have apostles throughout the, the New Testament. We, you know, all the ministry gifts, apostles, prophets. A lot of times people just think today we have pastors and teachers, but we still have all five ministry gifts. But, but, and there's different classes of apostles. We see different apostles in the New Testament, but there's none. Even Paul was not considered part of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Jesus is called the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So in the, the 12, I mean, Judas, his name would be, have been written in the foundation of heaven. I mean, we're talking about serious stuff. But the Bible says that we see a time where, where this woman comes and pours this offering on Jesus. See, don't, don't say and don't think that, that offerings are, aren't important. He comes in, he pour, this lady pours this offering on, on Jesus and, and, and just the aroma fills the room. What does Judas say? Oh, what was this waste? Th this could have been sold and given to the poor. Now, a lot of people today, they quote that like Jesus of Nazareth said that. But guess who said that? Judas. Judas said, oh, that, that was a waste. It could have been sold and given to the poor. But, you know, it's so hypocritical because people that actually do something for the poor, they're not barking about what you're doing or not doing for the poor. Why? Because they're doing something for the poor. Just food for thought. But what happens is he, he, uh, he says, the next thing you see, what will you give me that I could betray him? And he went to, to, to betray Jesus, and they gave him 30 pieces of silver. What a small price for the, for the Son of God. And the Bible says that, that Judas had remorse. See, it's not about missing it in life. It's about what you do after you miss it. It's not about that, oh, I've sinned. Well, welcome to planet Earth. Who hasn't sinned? It's about what you do after you've missed it. It's about what you do after you've made the mistake, after you've been found out, after someone called you on it, after someone say, hey, 
Just like David. Remember the, the, the prophet said, Nathan, he said, um, he tells this story, you know, about, hey, um, here's this little, this guy, he had this lamb, and he, he dressed it and nursed it, and, and, and this other person who was rich and wealthy, he had all these things, but he took that, that poor man's lamb. And David said, that man should restore fourfold. You know, he, the, Nathan, the prophet turns to him and says, you're the man. You're the one who's done this. And so what do you do when you look bad? Well, you just repent. But here's what happened. The Bible said Judas realized that he had betrayed innocent blood. He went and threw the money back down and said, here. You know what they said? What's that to us? We, we don't care. You know, they didn't care anything about Jesus. And so they said, um, what's that to us? And the Bible says that he went out and hung himself. The Bible even talks about that he went, because he hung himself right on the edge of this place. And it says that he, as he hung himself, he fell, he tumbled down the hill. And you read it in the Bible, and Acts says that his bowels gushed out. And so it was called the field of blood. So Jesus, Judas went and hung himself. He, he made a decision. Now, see, it's not just because you... And see, here's the thing. People say, well, Judas was planned before the foundation of the world that, that he was to betray Jesus and there was nothing he could do. Well, God, that's the same way of saying, well, you know, God knows everything and he knows who's going to be saved and he, he doesn't. So we're not going to preach the gospel. We're just going to... Yeah, he knows ahead of time, but we still people have that choice. Judas had a choice to, to, to how he responded. See, neglected opportunity brings regret. People neglect the opportunities to grow. People neglect the opportunities that God sets before them. Like I said, people, he sets before them, go to church. Grow. Be a part of this group. Be a part of this. And if people are faithful in that, then they will get better, they will grow. I heard a man of God say this. He said that there was a young man that he had lots of problems in his life. And he said, Lord, you know, how can I help him? He said, the Lord told him, he said, I told him to do two things. And until he does those two things, he will never grow. He will never get better. You know what those two things were? Number one, go to church. What a deep revelation. And so that was the open door the Lord put before him. Go to church, and then number two, get a job and keep it. That's what the Lord told him. He said, until he does those two things, he'll never grow. And so God is setting before us from now to the end of our life an open door. And if we will walk through those open doors, we will not have any remorse in life. Amen. And so that's why I can't compare myself with you. You can't compare yourself to me because you have a different calling, a different assignment that God has placed on your life. You have to find out from heaven what that is, what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. But I just think back in my life, uh, you know, when, when I got born again, and I think about other people that maybe have given their life, and you, you may know people that at the same time you gave your life to the Lord, that they came to the Lord. But where are they now today? Are they still following Jesus? Are they still following the plan of God for their life? Are they still following heaven's plan? 
So what do we, we have to esteem God's words. We have to esteem his words. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I wish I could bring a different message, but this is the only one I have today. But neglected opportunity brings regret. Live life today to where you have no regrets tomorrow. I mean, I look at some natural things. I'm not even talking about spiritual things, but is there anything that maybe you said, if I'd have just done this 10 years ago? I mean, my wife and I look at things like when we were first married, when you think you're so busy. And even when you, even when you get married, things change. But when the kids come along, that's when things change. That's when your life is really changed, especially when you hit four. <laughs> things really change. And, uh, you know, and it's like, boy, you know, I think back, we used to, you know, go to the gym every once in a while. And, you know, just on that, you think, man, I could have been like, I could have been, 3% body fat, or I could have been, you know, you think you had all the time in the world. Now you think, man, the only time I get to the gym is when I take the kids or, or whatever. And, and, you know, and how many know priorities change and whatever we, we say is important, that's what we'll make time for. And so God doesn't want us to live in the regrets. So today we have to choose to esteem God's word. Like we said, this is what this church is all about. This is what the, we're believing God for to take territory in the physical and in the spiritual. So choose to esteem God's word today. Don't come in here and come into church and sit and take things for granted. Don't take the preaching of the word for granted. Don't take the move of the spirit for granted. Don't take the worship for granted. If you've looked, I mean, especially in this country, I don't know if you've noticed, but the, the world is nuts right now. I mean, in, in Australia right now, we're not talking about a third world nation. We're talking about a first world nation. You can't even go three miles from your house. Right now, the leaders over there have Chinese army over there speaking Mandarin that are right there. And, and I mean, that, don't think that wasn't planned for this nation. Don't think that it's not planned even yet. So never take for granted the, the freedoms we have, the freedoms to worship. Other places, South Africa, uh, there's, a, there's a man of God that I enjoy his ministry. And, and he has, I don't know how many, he's got like 20-something churches, 27 churches and uh, all in um, South Africa. And they, um, I was watching a service from this last week. You see a couple of people here and there. In an auditorium that can seat probably 10,000, 15,000, you see a few people and every one of them have a mask. So don't take for granted what we have. Amen. Hallelujah. So we can't change the past. It's just like someone says, you can't unscramble eggs. But if you can add some cheese to it, you can add some, some olives, you can add some lettuce, tomatoes, pico de gallo, 
you can make a nice omelet out of it. Amen. So you can't change the past. So don't try to change the past. But we can choose not to live in regret anymore. And from this moment forward, we choose God's plan and being fully committed on every level. So that at the end of my life, no regrets. No regrets. Everyone say no regrets. regrets. I want to just read this one last thing real quick. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. See, my past is not something current. My past is past at last. (laughs) My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, am uplifted by prayer, and I labor with power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way rough, my companions are few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's just like they always say, when you look at a a, a gravestone, you ever just walk through a graveyard and you just think, I wonder what that person did. You know, I wonder what that... And you look, and the most important thing is not the, the first date or the last date, but it's that little arrow in between, that little line. What filled that? What did we do? What did we do for eternity? Amen. Because I believe that God wants us to live to where we have no regrets. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just bless you today. Lord, you're so good. You're so wonderful. We bless your name. Lord, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to redeem that that has been rotten, that you're able to preserve that, Lord, which has been um, the enemy. And we thank you today, Lord, that we, we can purpose in our heart that no matter what has happened, that the past is past at last. Lord, we, we thank you that the blood has washed us and cleansed us. That no matter what has happened, even traumatic things, Lord, I thank you that the healing balm of Gilead goes in right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are new creations in Christ. 
Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Thank you, Lord, that we are not stopping. We are not quitting. We are not giving up in life, Lord. We are not of those that draw back. But, Lord, we are those that believe to the saving of the soul. We are those that press forward and press in, even now, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for a resolve in each person today. Lord, that they will not quit, that they will not stop, that they will not give up in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. We speak strength over them right now. Be strong. Be encouraged. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us and you're with us strong. You are with us and you're with us strong. Hallelujah. Lord, let it be known that we can walk into a place like this, Lord, where you are our refuge. You are our strength. You're our everything. Lord, I just thank you that even now, Lord, even as, Lord, that we know that each person, Lord, even if there have been regrets, that, Lord, those things are under the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, from this day forward is a new day. This is a new day. It's a new hour, and it's a new place that we're walking in in the name of Jesus. It's a new realm. And, Lord, we, we, we step out. We step out today. Hallelujah. The past is past. And Lord, the future is bright. And the future is golden. The, the future is ours to partake of. And Lord, we thank you that we will be able to stand before you one day and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou to the joy of the Lord. Lord, that nothing that we've ever experienced is worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor today. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, that our eyes are fixed on you. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your hands. Father, we thank you today. Lord, that we have no regrets. We have no regrets. And Lord, even if we, we missed it, we thank you that we're washed and forgiven. And Lord, that we have no past. And Lord, that nothing can hold us back. Nothing can, can keep us from finishing the race. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you, Lord, that we are committed to finish the course. Even as the Apostle Paul said that he was, he was going to finish the course and finish it with joy. Lord, that we're going to finish it looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Despising the shame, he's even now set at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, we keep our eyes on you today. We thank you that you finish and develop our faith even unto eternity. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.